The Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said, You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair, white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. This is good news for us. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. <clears throat> Grace, mercy, and peace is yours from our risen Christ. Amen. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. I read this week that Bernie Madoff is asking to get out of prison early due to poor health. Some of you in here may not know who Bernie Madoff is. 
I think a lot of us do. You remember Bernie Madoff? Remember the scandal? Bernie Madoff was a very rich man who was known far and wide as being a, a tremendous philanthropist. He sat on the board of a lot of charitable organizations. He gave away millions upon millions of dollars to all kinds of charities while at the same time perpetrating the greatest fraud in U.S. history. The outside of Bernie Madoff looked wonderful. But over three decades, he stole more than $20 billion from his investors. His selfish choice that was on the inside began to leak out and poison his world and the world of those around him. So real life comes when we live from the inside out. Healing and wholeness comes when we choose to work on the heart. And that's what Jesus is teaching us this morning. This section of the Sermon on the Mount comes immediately after Jesus says, I did not come to abolish God's law. I came to fulfill God's law. In other words, Jesus came to demonstrate what God's law was meant to be from the very beginning, to take the law back to its core. And that's pretty radical when you think about it. Jesus was oftentimes called a radical. But what's interesting is that the word radical does not at all mean what it's come to be understood as to in, in our world today or even in Jesus' day. I mean, we think about a radical as being somebody who comes to cause a lot of trouble, to shake things up and, and be a rabble-rouser. But the fact is, the word radical literally means root or foundation or basic. In other words, to be a radical is someone who comes to bring things back to their original meaning, bring, to bring things back to their roots. And that's what Jesus was trying to do with God's law. God's law was given to be life-giving and life-shaping. A way of helping people to live the way people were intended to live. But Jesus did not believe that's the way things were playing out. The way God's intentions were being uh, instructed caused more conflict than it did to give life. And so he wants to, to help people understand how they can live an undivided life to where the outside matches the inside. And that will never happen if we're only worrying about the outward appearance and not looking at the heart. Because the heart is the source of our behavior. Now, human nature, being what it is, 
oftentimes will mean that we will ask ourselves, well, what is the least that I can get away with? What is something that I can do and still be okay? How, how can I get away with something? But Jesus says when you think that way or when you hear that, way, hear that or when you hear somebody say, well, you've heard it said, what Jesus is telling us is that's not enough. You're just looking for the lowest common denominator. You're just setting the bar way too low. Don't just look for the easiest thing in life. Don't look for the simplest thing to do or not do, but go rather to the source. Go to the cause of what makes you act up or act out. Now, I'm not an Eagle Scout. I'll tell you that when I moved to Wilmington, other things took over in my life. I won't tell you everything that took over. But football and band were two of the things that took over, and it kept me from feeling, getting all the way to Eagle Scout. But I was in Scouts long enough, and my son's an Eagle Scout, to know that scouting teaches a lot about integrity, about living the way you talk, walking the walk and talking the talk kind of thing. And that's a big part of scouting. That's an important part of scouting. But you know, it didn't start with scouting. It started with some very wise people way, way back in history about the importance of living the kind of life that you intend to live. And this is a big part of what Jesus is teaching us today. To live with integrity, to let your yes be yes and your no be no. And not settle for the simplest thing in life. And he, and he goes through this, this list in this passage we read today as examples of what he's talking about. And he starts out with the commandment, thou shalt not kill, or thou shalt not murder. I'm good. How about you? Hadn't killed anybody, so far as I know, I hadn't killed anybody. I'm good. Only Jesus says, that's not enough. Just because you hadn't killed so-and-so, well... What about the fact that you hate them? What about the fact that you talk about them behind their back all the time? What about the fact that you treat them like dirt and you try to make them feel miserable every chance you get? What about that? He says, you may not have killed them, but you have killed your relationship. You've killed that by letting the poison that is on the inside seep out and destroy this relationship with your hurtful feelings. Wow. <laughs> That's a whole different way of thinking about things, isn't it? And so it goes with Jesus talking about things like adultery and divorce and lying. And in each of those things, Jesus says you've got to go deeper you got to look at what causes you to behave the way you do. The way that, that allows you to hurt people so easily and so deeply. And so at the heart of it all, Jesus is saying, let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
live with integrity, work on it. I love the example that my friend Delmer Chilton offers about this teaching. He, sa he tells the story about his father's death and how his dad asked that a special song be sung at his funeral. It's an old mountain tune called Don't Bring Me Flowers When I'm Dead. Sounds like an old mountain tune, doesn't it? He said this song was a perfect example of how his father lived his life. And the song comes from a special service that is still being done in some Methodist and Baptist churches up in Appalachia, some small churches. And it's called the flower service. Everybody comes to church that day carrying a bundle of flowers, not a fancy bouquet, but just, just a handful of flowers picked from the garden or some wildflowers from the field. And they come in and they lay the flowers on a table in front of the pulpit. And then the preacher preaches a sermon about the need for harmony and peace in the congregation, and it's always based on that passage we heard a moment ago about the need to be reconciled with your brother or your sister before you come to the altar to pray to God. And after the sermon, then everybody gets up to share the peace. And I mean to tell you, they know how to share the peace. They all come up and they pick up their flowers, and then they go to one another, and the most amazing thing happens, as whether you're young or old, it doesn't matter, you go to your brother and your sister and you apologize for any harsh words, any hurt feelings, or any misunderstandings that may have come between you. From the youngest to the oldest, and it'll take as long as it takes. It doesn't matter. And then you exchange a flower with one another as a sign of the bond of peace that has been created by the words of forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation. And then you move on to the next until everybody speaks to everybody else in the church. The song says, If you need to make peace with me, bring the flowers now like the flower service don't hold on to your grudge and then try to smooth your conscience out by bringing me a nice bouquet at my funeral that old service and that old song has got some real spiritual wisdom to it doesn't it and it comes from this, this deep understanding of what Jesus is trying to help us see today. How important it is for us to live with integrity, with genuineness, to be transparent and let our behavior on the outside reflect what's going on on the inside. Jesus isn't just trying to be tough on us. What he's doing is trying to help us understand. He's reminding us how much God wants God's people to flourish. How God wants everyone to be able to flourish in God's good creation. And hypocrisy, 
the holding on of grudges and resentments and, and lustful fantasies, that doesn't do anything to help us flourish. And pretending to be otherwise doesn't help us either because trying to do both can weigh us down. It can wear us out. It zaps us of our joy and, and, and sooner or later, if it stays long enough, it can be, begin to ooze out into how we actually treat and feel about other people. And that's not the way God intended life to be. Not for us or, or for anybody else. And this is especially true for God's people in the church. Jesus is trying to help people understand that if you're a follower of mine, it's not enough just to look Christian on the outside. You've got to be Christ-like on the inside, too. And so, not killing somebody, <laughs> that's just the, that's the lowest bar you can set. You've got to work on all the things inside that make you want to hurt somebody. And all throughout this whole text, Jesus teaches us to drop the pretense. To deal with what's going on on the inside that keeps us from living in relationship with each other and with God. And so basically, today, Jesus is asking us some tough questions. What's killing your spirit on the inside? What it, on the inside is keeping you from flourishing the way God wants you to flourish and living that rich, full life that God wants you to live? Is it something that you feel like you can't let go of? That you've got to hang on to even if it's killing your spirit? Now, in our tradition, some of you may not practice this in your church, but in our tradition, we're not too far from what we call the season of Lent. It's a period of time before Easter that we sort of prepare ourselves to celebrate the good news of Easter. So Lent's only a couple weeks away, and oftentimes maybe you have heard people talking about giving up something for Lent. Well, maybe Lent's a good time for us to take inventory about what doesn't match from the inside to the outside. Maybe it's a good time to sort of do an internal review and instead of giving up coffee or chocolate or video games or phones, oh, y'all would never do that, I'm sure. But instead of giving up some of the things we, that might be kind of easy to give up, maybe Lent would be a great time for us to give up our resentment our hateful spirit towards somebody else, our inappropriate fantasies and desires, so that we can let it go and enjoy the freedom of living that new life that God wants us to live. We might realize that, that there's a whole lot more to life than we can imagine if we're willing to let it go. Jesus is telling us today, I want you to have a new life. Because you matter. 
What you do and how you act matters. And how you feel about other people matters. So pay attention to what's really important. There are parts of your life that you would be better off not having than to have them drag you down. I don't want you to settle for the minimum standard. I want you to live a rich life. So let me help you. Let me give you the strength you need to do this hard work because it is not easy. You may have heard some people say, you can't do it. But I say to you, we can do it together. Because I love you, and I have forgiven you, and I have made peace with you, and I want you to do the same to those around you. That's what it means to live new life. The choice is yours. For Christ's sake, choose life. Grace, mercy, and peace is yours through our risen Christ. Amen.